Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Oldberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who have been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, Patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me. Instagram, Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on shortly my guest today, Dr. Kathleen Tart. an annual conference which I was able to attend last year and hopefully again in the future, mm-hmm. which is on diversity in journalism. Um, equity in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Well, beyond even just journalism, it's just in all forms of media. That was in January, February? I think March 9th this year. Patricia Velasquez is delivering the keynote. Most people know her as Aunt Una Moon and the Mummy. Well, it's an amazing experience. And now that they stream the entire day. If you can attend it or uh, find out about it, I recommend that all of you do. I learned quite a bit about diversity numbers, television, including with disability, things that I think I took for granted or wasn't quite aware of. That the way the media can portray things rather successfully. Appreciate that. Uh, that information is really helping. I'll push forward change. You're welcome. So we have learned new things about you, that your hobby apparently you not only row but you row competitively yes I row competitively I fortunate enough to actually win the world championship this past year and as well as the crash B sprint which are in the Boston area at Agonist Marina this year which are the two big regattas okay yeah. so now I used to love the regatta as a kid at camp but for those of our listeners that are not familiar with rowing or virtual rowing so does that mean I saw that the finals are like a bunch of people in 
different countries? I mean, how does it work out? Yeah, so the World Rowing Championships are actually in person. They're all on indoor rowing machines, but they're actually all in one place. So you'll have an arena. What happened about six weeks ago was the World Rowing Virtual Indoor Sprint, which actually allows anybody to be anywhere in the world. You can upload your data with ERG data, which is one of the apps, or you can put the verification code or whatever that is. If you row and you row 1,000 meters during that time and you actually bother to upload it to the Concept2 logbook, you have entered the race. So this year I kind of sat out. I was actually pretty sick this year going into all of the championships. And my doctor's like, you you really need to rest. So I have a time that ended up qualifying for the virtual, but I'm really going after it this year. Wow. And I read yeah. something really interesting, which is people who've never rowed before can participate. Absolutely. If anybody who rows, if you're on a Concept2 ergometer, it has to be Concept2, which is frankly the, the best for training for actual competitive Olympic rowers anyway. So, and that's why the whole competitive Crash B stands for Charles River All-Star Has-Beens, <laughs> which started, I think, in the 90s with a bunch of Olympic rowers who decided to start competing against each other on the indoor rower, and it took off. And so wow. it's been around since then. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. We're constantly looking for ways that people can become athletic or try something for the first time yes. or say, I'm training for yeah. this event. Yeah. I'm always trying to get more people who don't have access to rowing to enter. So it's adaptive rowers. It's low income because rowing tends to be an elite sport, but indoor rowing, you can do at your gym, right? So trying to get people who wouldn't normally be participating in rowing to compete really nice that way. Wow. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to get some data and see if I can <laughs> up my erg. That's game. right. Have some world records. <laughs> do you have to be on an erg or it has to, it can also be, it just has to have that certain technology. You have to be on a concept erg. Yeah. On the rowing erg. I know you do ski erg. Yes. Yeah. So they do have challenges for ski erg. Go to concept two online and just see what their competition is. I know they have ski erg challenges. I just don't have one. So I never enter, but you should do it. I think I might. Truth is I'm like scared of these really big ski jumps. So the fact that you can like visualize <laughs> yourself letting go, I think is really good practice. And not hurt yourself on the landing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're like, oh, I did it. So nice. Tom, talk to me about this is your goal to maintain representative sports mm -hmm. and education. So what were you noticing or experiencing in what they were qualifying? Was it the qualification of disabled rowers or how they were judging them? How they were judging where people ended up in the competition. So I think in part because I didn't have my own investment in it, I think I was looking at it more and interested in like, oh, how are people doing? And then I noticed that for the disabled rowers, they have competing with, my doctor thought, pneumonia this whole season. It turns out it was downgraded to asthmatic bronchitis, but I still have a cough, so my apologies to everybody. But there are several different categories for adaptive rowers for the indoor rowing competition. There's PR1, PR2, PR3. So PR1 is if you have minimal trunk function, PR2 is if you have minimal lower body, and then there's PR3, which is leg, trunk, and arms. Like there's, you have an overall disability, and there are five subcategories. So that physically disabled, visually impaired, I think above the knee amputation, single arm, and intellectually disabled. So normally, and at the World Championships, you would have this where everyone's competing in their different category and their different age group. So for the World Rowing Virtual Endorsement, so they put everybody together in that category. So it literally ended up that a 62-year-old visually impaired rower was competing against an 18-year-old intellectually disabled rower. Looking at ages and times and wondering, why is everybody... And then I noticed the categories. I was like, why is everyone in the same group? That doesn't make any sense. And so I reached out to Concept2. They eventually 
told me to go to FISA, which is the International Rowing Federation. And so I'm still awaiting word from them whether they're going to redraw it and what they're going to do in the future. Yeah. Well, this is going to force them to up their game because they <laughs> are happy that they're including disabled participants. Yeah. But, yeah. And it's uh, wonderful that they are, but it's for equity and do not stigmatize people. There's an actually an awesome rower. I'm not going to name him from CrewFit because I don't know if that's cool with him, but he's awesome. He is adaptive in the physically disabled category, no doubt, but he won't compete in that category. He competes against the enabled rowers because of the stigma that not only society has given to it, but and I don't know if he knows the details of this particular challenge, but so people are still very stigmatizing that you're less of an athlete, you're not accomplishing as much. So people feel like if I get fourth place in the enabled category, that's better than getting first place in the disabled category. And it's wow. like, that that's a challenge that a lot of people have. And so I think even with the organizers of this particular, they just kind of was like, oh, well, you're all just disabled. <laughs> you know, just row. It doesn't make a difference how old you are or which category, which of course isn't the truth. Right. And this is a unique dilemma because as, like you said, everything's virtual. So people can literally be in their home mm -hmm. state anywhere in the world, right? Mm -hmm. I think there was a group from like Singapore or something. Yeah. So you have more access on one hand and more universality on the other hand. Things that still need to be worked out. I trust that they're going to evolve in the right way was that they're proud of their position on inclusion and that I can expect that evolution in the future. Oh, okay. But it's kind of like we kind of could have done it already, right? Like you really should have done it. It doesn't actually put you out that much to just make these equitable categories. And I don't know if it's because FISA's name, which I can't remember the French, but it's in Switzerland, I think. So I wonder sometimes too whether that the Americans with Disabilities Act is a U.S. law. And so maybe international organizers, I have no idea where the law is from other countries. So that maybe they don't have these ideas about accommodations and disability access. I don't know. Sounds like a good dissertation. <laughs> How is it handled? Do you experience that mm -hmm. other universities? Or I'm not sure. I mean, I'm always really, though, very conscious of when I'm abroad and I'm walking on like cobblestone streets that don't have curb cuts or, or whatever else it is, or there's no braille anywhere. Like I'm always really aware of that this is not exactly inviting for people with disabilities, let alone sometimes you see people having to carry their disabled loved ones around town and like backpacks, you know, these converted backpacks, try to carry them around because the town is so not compatible. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to Injitsu.com slash Richard Listens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash Richard Listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. 
Are there any other comparable sporting events now that they're moving virtual mm -hmm. and that people can use virtual reality that fights that could learn from? Yeah, I think obviously the Paralympic movement is absolutely a role model for how to actually include people, have them compete again in the competition. I think the big challenge for all of us is to understand, because this happens in women's sport too, right? It's kind of a downgrade, right? And so you might be looking at US printers and it's like the men are at the top and those are the ones we are like, oh, they're amazing. And then as soon as you're not in that category, people are less excited, right? So unless you're Flojo or something like that, unless you got a whole nother thing happening on top of it, more like the women's soccer team, which wins more than the US, people just mentally start downgrading. And so even in disability sports, then it's kind of like, there's not really acknowledgement of like, this is an athlete, do your respect. It's almost like, oh, look at them competing. Like, it's like this very condescending kind of way of dealing with the big picture. We need to understand what people are accomplishing and actually like to really understand who's a bad out there, regardless of, you know, ability status, like who's the bad, right? But I don't think we're there yet. What do you think about, I think his name is Shaquem Griffin, who's trying out NFL draft. I believe. Mm. And he, I believe, has only use of one arm fully. I mean, he utilizes both arms. I'm a former <laughs> football player, so I'm jealous that he even gets to try out for the NFL. That's what I feel. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think people should push for themselves to be in whatever sport they want to be in. So we're seeing, hopefully, well, it takes intellectual thought leaders. It takes a degree of activism and pushing the envelope to get people to keep changing. Yeah. To really not just give lip service to disability yeah. but to really create equity that you're talking about yeah. and I'm interested to know you know from our listeners what models have worked who is modeling this progress and I do think as we get more into this realm of virtual reality the use of simulation the fact that people can access around the world it is on the one hand really amazing we should appreciate that able-bodied and disabled can be in the same event it's been happening in the Olympics as well even with the uh, the disgraced uh, Oscar this, yeah. Pistorius, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you're seeing it more and more now. As we're seeing change. We're seeing progress. But Dr. Tarr is here to keep young minds questioning. I think it's awesome if people want to compete. If you're disabled and you want to compete in an enabled event, I think that's, that's totally fine and that's awesome. I think for me that I want people to feel less stigma about being disabled and competing against other disabled people, right? Because then, you know, people are like, yeah, he can beat even, you know, enabled folk. And it's like, okay, okay. But it would be awesome if he were only racing against people who were disabled like, like he is. I mean, that would still be something to write home about. And that's not where we are. Right. Well, one of the beautiful things, and, and obviously uh, Peter is uh, not here today and he's helped me create this show. And he was a guest of yours last year at the conference. And he's taught me how to do this show, taught me so much and so much of the way he operates and thinks as an able-bodied person. And, and so it took it was really a long time into our relationship where even they opened up about the challenges he has being in a wheelchair and, and yeah. it was pretty fascinating we shared that experience when a lot of questions were directed to him about putting characters like him into a play he might, or a movie he might direct for a moment there was a pause of right can I accept this as part of me yeah. or do I have to fight society society stigma of I just want to kind of go along to get along and blend in and right. cause problems Right. Uh, direct attention. If I remember correctly, I think disabled actors certainly are incredibly underemployed, but I think even those who are, on average, earn $4,000 a year from acting. Wow. It's like four to 
thousand. I can't remember exactly, but I think it's four. It's yeah, it's pretty low. And just I think for all of us to look at characters, because they're valued less. Every role you get ends up counting for that income, and so I just think it's the ones who are working aren't necessarily getting the big job, right? Or they're getting one job a year or something like that. And so it's like you might get paid well for that one day, but you're not working that much. So your average for the year ends up being pretty small as far as like acting yeah. credit go. Would you count someone like Michael J. Fox in that category who continues to work but, but was known as obviously a celebrity before? Yeah, I mean, I would think absolutely. I've enjoyed watching him. But I think for all of us is to look even beyond just disabled characters, but to look at all sorts of characters and to think about like, does this character actually have to have the demographic or could they have hired somebody who was something else, like another race, another, you know, disabled or whatever it is, and, and really start pushing the industry a little bit more? Because frankly, that's what shapes how, mostly how we think about each other is entertainment. It's not, you know, that great court case that really upheld right for people. Like, that's not really what shapes us. It's what right. we're looking uh, at. There's uh, the new spinoff of The Good Wife. So now this is a whole new generation of Hulu, Netflix, and yeah. CBS has their own. Mm-hmm. So if you get the all-access channel, they have a show called The Good Fight. Mm-hmm. And one of the law firms has Delroy Lindo as the head, and it's all African-American. So mm-hmm. it's like, so I think the point is, like, this is what you're seeing now in society. I was going to ask you, actually, what you thought with the more media that's being created on YouTube, Red, Netflix, Hulu, do you feel that there's more creation of characters, that there more shows? The people who are crunching the numbers would know, and I'm going actually to the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media there. There's a uh, global symposium tonight, so I'm going to go to that. And one of the researchers, the numbers aren't better, necessarily, overall. I'll be interested to see what they reveal. I don't know. I mean, I kind of wanted to tie back to you talking about like what representation means. Well, Gina Davis made a comment about, but it's entertainment media fiction. It doesn't have to look like the world, even if the world is more diverse and we want to see that. It's like, but it also can be even more diverse because it's fiction, right? So you can make it equitable and that might shape real equity in society. So you don't have to skew it the other way. Yeah. Well, because she talked about the example of, you know, CEO and Fortune 500 folks and all that. And so, yeah, the data shows they're predominantly white males, probably heterosexual. I don't know if that's in the data. But when you're having a show or a movie and you're casting that role, you don't have to make it reflect the ones that you're seeing. You can do it towards the very few women or the very few people of color like it's a fiction. You can make your CEO whatever you want. You can create the reality. You can create reality. Yeah. So Gina Davis, that makes me think about what was the movie with Madonna that she was in? Baseball movie when it was all female baseball Oh, League of Our Own. League of Our Own. Thank Ah, you. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to say, I'm so sorry I'm falling down on all of my... I'm dating myself, but that was was a good one, right? Yeah. Like, what would it be like? But it was interesting. They had an African-American baseball player who was there initially, right? Who They kind of had her as this little cameo who was dismissed to give a nod to the fact that there were African-American baseball players. But even when you're doing the Negro Leagues, Tony Stone played and there were other women who played in the Negro Leagues. And we never see their story. Like, they never show up when you're looking at the Jackie Robinson story. Like, Tony Stone got hits off his actual page. Like, we should be seeing that. should be a film that needs to be made. Well, even even beyond just focusing on Tony Stone, it's like when you're casting a movie about the Negro Leagues, you should pepper in some women because that's actually real life versus making it seem like they weren't actually there. I'm so glad you mentioned that because our brain doesn't even allow for what we don't see. Yeah, yeah. It's not even possible. We have only a few minutes left. I want to get to everything you're 
doing. <laughs> but I have to ask you, yeah. so what are your thoughts about Black Panther? has been a big film that everyone's been going to see. Yeah, so many levels. I think what's really amazing about it and what people need to pay more attention to is that it completely broke all sales projections because sales projections are what people use to justify why they don't hire certain teams of directors and cast and stories. And it completely busted all that, right? It was never supposed to do well in China. It did awesome in China, right? And there are a number of films that did that. So I think on that level, I think also that less positive side, I think it's interesting the patriarchal aspects of it that went kind of unnoticed by audiences. So for example, Angela Bassett character, I'm kind of like, why don't she elevate? Like she's the queen. If the king is dead, why isn't she suddenly the ruler? And it was never something that was even considered, right? And so I think there are these other elements that people may not have paid much as much attention to in the celebration of actually having the story, which I think, yes, absolutely should be celebrated too. What did you think? Anything that plays off of, you know, obviously collective and individual trauma and pain, you know, this whole identity, who are we as a people, preserve and survive, pain what is ours, and both are real, you know, like keeping people alive and for their hand, there's this gift to the world. Just even within the battle between, I forget the two main characters' uh, names, but there's a real desire to like include and heal or understand that journey. But a lot more questions. <laughs> you know, like, questions are you know, good. You know. So we have only a minute left, but we are blessed to have you surprise us. Thank come you in the so studio. much for having me. Be here. I hope we get to come out and see you again. I hope you'll be back in LA doing more. Yes. Please keep us involved in the discussions with FISA. I will okay. keep you posted, <laughs> yes. A lot more questions, <laughs> even about developments or ways we can help or ways our listeners can help in awesome. creating more equity. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks How can people well. reach you and oh. get in touch with you? You can always email me at Danford, so K-D-A-R-R at Danford.edu. You can visit my website. If you want to book me, you can contact my agent at Look Talent. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. 
There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone. <laughs>